It's pizza on my Nike. It's pizza. Look at it. Look at my shoe. Explain that to me. It's pizza on my Nike. Hey, man. Welcome to New York. All right, everybody. Welcome to an edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Been some time. Got some. Got busy in between, but we're back at it now. Got Nishan on the line with me. What's up, dude? What's going on, dude? How happy are you right now? <laughs> well, so yeah, the big news came on Sunday night, and it was funny. I mean, we were you and me were literally on the phone, and when the news broke, so you got my you got my <laughs> immediate reaction, and yeah, it was on. Unexpected happiness. Let's be honest, dude. You were driving. You probably shouldn't have been checking your phone. I'm report. <laughs> I'm reporting you to the police. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I was. We were talking, and then my phone just kept blowing up. And then I was like, "What are all these notifications coming?" And it was just all these reporters turn uh, reporting the LeBron news. Oh, I and... thought it was LeBron sliding into your DMs, dude. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean the way that he did it this time, it was just completely unexpected because first he did it on a Sunday night, and usually Sunday night is where news gets buried. It's that's when unimportant news, uh, you know, that's when unimportant news gets reported. And then on top of that, it was report. It was uh, the Twitter account of Clutch Sports, like his agency, was the one who published a press release, and apparently it wasn't even a verified Twitter account at the time. <laughs> so, so you know, the, it was mainly reported because they also sent out an email. The press release was also emailed to all the reporters, like the big ones, like Woj, Windhorse, everybody, and then they all posted on their Twitter accounts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so it was funny. So on Saturday night, I usually don't do this, but this year, and you know, I was like, all right, it's a big year for the Lakers. So I stayed up till midnight on Saturday from June thirtieth to July first. As sad as that sounds, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I do. I stay up till midnight <laughs> on July first on a Saturday night and you know nowadays the deals are broken even before midnight so at like 11:40, it was like all right Paul George is re-signing with the Thunder I'm like oh my god like I thought we had this guy locked down like out of all the guys we were rumored to get this guy seemed the biggest lock Paul George and we didn't get him then I'm like wow I don't think we're getting anybody else because LeBron's not gonna come here alone and it just all turned on Sunday yeah, it's so. pretty exciting. I mean, but this, you know, it's it's an interesting move by LeBron, and we we talked about it before on the pod. You know, it's a move about his family, a move about his life after basketball, um, a move to kind of learn from Magic how to be a successful mogul. I mean, as great as Michael Jordan has been as an NBA player, um, he hasn't been nearly as, success, as successful as Magic has been in his post basketball career, and so LeBron kind of gets to learn from the guru. Uh, but it's an interesting spot for him to land. I mean. In the past, he's never liked to play with younger guys. He always liked the experienced guys who you can rely on in the fourth quarter of those clutch playoff games. But it, I mean, is is this is this what it is for LeBron now? Like just being there to mentor young guys and not really care much about chasing rings. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell. So one of the interesting things is he yeah he chose the Lakers. So I'm obviously extremely happy and but I'm not going to be completely biased and say this is also the best basketball situation for him. Um, I think if he wanted to win a championship, obviously Houston, Philadelphia, they're probably better situate, uh, better moves to make. But I think what it came down for him is also he doesn't want to be. He's already done the whole ring chasing, right? Like he went to Miami and did the whole ring chasing. Then for him, when he come back, came back to Cleveland, the the mission that time was all right. I've done my ring chasing. Now I want to do something for Cleveland. And I think this time, if the move is all right, 
I want to set myself up post basketball. Like he's already set with all his basketball ventures, but I think it's like, all right, where do I want to raise my kids? Do I want to raise them in Cleveland? And then where does his where does his wife want to live? And that was a lot of the things we were hearing, right? Even before it was like, oh, um, his oldest son Bronny had committed to the Sierra Canyon uh, High School, where players like Marvin Bagley have gone. So it's a place that, like, you know, prominent basketball players or uh, up-and-coming basketball players. So I think right now, Scottie Pippen's son, Kenya Martin's son, they're all there. So it seems like that's what this move is really about. But, I mean, who knows? Like, this is not... I don't think the Lakers are a championship team this year. Because <laughs> right after they signed LeBron, they started signing guys like Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee. So. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I can see what the Lakers are kind of doing in the sense that they're all one-year deals. So they're keeping the cap space flexibility going forward, but also signing guys like for on one-year deals who... Who, who could keep them competitive but it's all i think it's all going to come down to how much growth we see from the young guys yeah my question is like does this put lebron perennially in like the number two like he'll never be able to surpass michael because i mean he is making this non-basketball move and he has moved around the nba a lot and you know a lot of this the greats of the nba including your favorite kobe bryant says it's all about rings and lebron may not get another ring um even though you know, LA is going to do their best to get some great acquisitions in 2019. He may not get another ring because the Warriors are just this transcendent team that just seems to get stronger every offseason. Um, but is this it? Is this is LeBron content now with being the second best of all time? Or has he already done enough in his career to be number one? Yeah, I think for him, it's he's happy with like whatever his legacy is already um just what everything he's achieved so far in his 15 years and i mean this could be like i mean i don't know if he's thinking this but say he does lead the lakers to a title right this might be that one move that could maybe vault him over jordan because i think what he realized in, is in cleveland like no matter how much he was doing like no one was saying like unequivocally he was better than mj unless but he won now, this year unless he won this year right he would need like some sort of like unexpected accomplishment like that so now if he leads the lakers to a title so there's like multiple things at place right like uh leading three teams to a title that's never been done by like any of the grades before two was like the you know before like kareem had led like the lakers and bucks to titles but no one has ever done three teams so that would be a great accomplishment and to do it with the lakers with the way we've been losing the past five years at an unexpected, like unprecedented rate, the amount of losing the Lakers have suffered. For him to be that first superstar to come in through the door, not even like coming with somebody else. And if he could somehow, you know, win a championship here and lead the Lakers back, back to glory, that might be the accomplishment that vaults him over MJ. Yeah, the other, the other aspect of it comes down to, you know, he may just be trying to prolong his career. I mean, he's been playing until the late in the playoffs every year, you know, game six, game seven, game five, however many they make it, game four this year, however many games they make into the playoff run. He's playing, you know, easily over 100 games every year. Um, is this his way of kind of cooling it down so that maybe he could survive and prolong his career so he could be there when Bronny gets there in the NBA? <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean... But I mean, if he wanted to cool it down as a career, it seemed like the Western Conference is not where he want to go because there's no off nights anymore. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, they were, during the regular season especially, he could take some off nights. It's like there's, I mean, besides Sacramento, I don't think there's an easy out in the West now because even 
Phoenix has improved with their all their acquisitions. DeAndre Ayton, Michael Bridges, and then they also got Trevor Reza. I, I don't see like any easy outs in the Western Conference at all. And even Sacramento, I feel like they're they're not there yet, but they're for the first time I have to say Sacramento hasn't made a stupid move in this offseason. <laughs> which is yeah. like, you know, that's that's surprising because sometimes that's that's what they're known for, right? Like just rushing and making a decision that ultimately hurts you. The yeah. team I feel um, like that's unless, made this... I mean their mistake could have been drafting badly over Doncic. That's that's potentially true, but yeah, you know that that that, that that's kind of like the future beholds, and we need to wait to see how these guys' careers turn out. The team that I feel like it definitely made the weirdest acquisitions after, after you know during this free agency is the Lakers, and I know they're all on one-year deals, but after what LeBron went through with uh, the idiocracy of JR, I feel like putting a team together who have questionable judgment <laughs> is not the right thing to do. I mean, JaVale has been known to do that. And not, yeah. not the right kind of guy to have in your situation. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, the redundancy of players now, you know, like, you, now you have two point guards on your roster who don't shoot around LeBron, who's also very ball-dominant. Rondo, who needs the ball to be effective. I mean, you've never heard of Rondo being the best off-ball player, and Lo- and Lonzo is the same kind of kind of the same way. And so, uh, it, it's it's going to be an interesting um, adjustment. Is LeBron going to stop being the guy who brings the ball up the court every time, and finally let someone else to run the offense for him? Because he's never been with a point guard of even Rondo or Lonzo's caliber in terms of the court vision that they have. Yeah, I mean, he's never played with. A pass first point guard like this with both Lonzo and Rondo because Kyrie was all about scoring and so he's never had like a point guard like this um yeah man I mean I, I was seeing all these signings right after so it was like it was where it's like the night before seeing Paul George not uh, come to the Lakers so it was a low for me then we get LeBron and I'm on, on this high and then immediately I go back down seeing all these signings and I'm just I mean there was an article published today with uh, Ramona Shelburne and Brian Windhorst on ESPN and they they are reporting that LeBron's on like he was consulted on all these moves and he's on board with it and apparently what Magic was trying to sell him is that we don't want to be like whoever you were on the Cavs we want to surround you with some playmakers like Rondo and uh, it's like if you're going to play teams like Houston and Golden State right you're never going to be able to outshoot them but why not try to defend them in a way that you know, maybe could limit them. That I guess that's the plan they're going for here. So as weak as they are on defense, guys like Rondo and Lance, I mean, they are pretty good defenders. So I don't know if that's the plan here or, you know, they this is all they could get for guys who want to take one-year deals because the market's so weird this this year. And, and whoever has money, like, like these players are just grabbing money. So it's hard to get guys on one-year deals. Yeah, I mean the 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 most perplexing thing out of all of this, and it, it probably has to do with clutch sports, is the KCP signing. <laughs> yeah, um, it's again, it's a one year deal, right, or is it a two year deal? No, it's a one year deal, uh, twelve million dollars, which is like way overpaid for a guy who's like not been who everyone thought he was gonna be when he got drafted. He's not been the lockdown shooter. I mean, he's actually been a below average shooter in terms of three, um, but I guess that's the benefit of LeBron trying to stack the team with his own guys. Which, you know, ultimately is the reason why the Cavs were as bad as they were is because his guys kept getting paid. Uh, and maybe the his way to fix that is having these one-year deals. But, you know, is KCP and contracts like that the reason why, you know, just like Michael Jordan, like 
LeBron James is a great NBA basketball player, but he might not be the great basketball talent evaluator. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird because um, the thing about KCP is, I don't know if this is also one of those contracts to reward him because a huge reason I think we even got LeBron is that we had, we gave KCP the contract last year, right? Which is kind of like building goodwill with Rich Paul and like the whole clutch organization. And then because of that, we got access to Rich Paul throughout the year, like I mean, it's it's tampering, but I mean, I'm sure that every time that Rich Paul was sitting next to Genie Buzz at a game or talking with Magic, they weren't discussing KCP every single time. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is what it is. It might have just been one of those, hey, KCP, like, thank you for get, helping us get LeBron. Here's $12 million. Like, <laughs> I, but yeah, I don't understand that. But it'll be interesting to see what we do forward, uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Everything I'm hearing about Kawhi is like conflicting at this point. I don't know if the Lakers are going to get that deal done. One day I'm hearing that he prefers the Clippers now over the Lakers. But then some other people are saying that the fact that LeBron's there on the Lakers, he doesn't want to go to the Clippers now and compete against LeBron. Like, you know, Lakers versus Clippers, Kawhi versus LeBron. He doesn't want that. So I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing about Kawhi, this whole saga is like no one... We hear from Kawhi's people, but we never really hear from Kawhi exactly what's happening. There was like that one short, you know, anecdote when he was with, I think, Rachel Nichols. And like, he actually finally said something and then one of his guys pulled him away from finishing what he wanted to say. But that, I think that's the issue. Like Kawhi's whole storyline is being governed by someone besides Kawhi. And so like, I don't know what to believe anymore. Like, where does Kawhi want to be? What does he want to do? You know? Not too long ago, like there was buzzings, and this is just me being a Knicks optimist that you know Kawhi wants to play with Kyrie, and they both want to be in New York, and you know Kawhi spent so much time in New York during his rehab. But I think this is all hearsay. This is just someone on Twitter, disgruntled, writing yeah. something. It's like Stephen A. Like you just can't believe anything that comes out of these people's <laughs> mouths. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, everyone's like saying, "Oh, my sources tell me this, my sources tell me that," and it's like everyone probably has different sources and. Let's be honest, though, if you're getting information that these sources are telling you, I'm sure half of it is information that they want you to know on purpose or leaking to you so that, you know, it manipulates the other team. For example, if, like, the Spurs camp leaks that Kawhi is willing to go to the Clippers, then, you know, the Lake, it might be a play to get the Lakers to pay more or, like, give up more in a trade. Who knows? Yeah, in the same way, like, the, the whole, like, oh... Lakers are going to make a run for Dame, like you were telling me pretty much today. That's probably just a ploy to make them think, make the Spurs think that like, oh, maybe there's someone else on the table besides Kawhi. Exactly. I mean, ultimately, if I had to guess, I, it, it just depends like who you trust, right? So like, I mean, Woj is one of the probably biggest insiders that we all know. Like he's always dropping these Woj bombs. And according to Woj, he thinks that Kawhi only still is focused on the Lakers, even though other guys are saying he's okay with the Clippers. So I guess you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And I think it's going to drag into August, to be honest. Uh, last year, I remember Kyrie got traded in August. But one interesting information I did find out is that the Team USA basketball camp practice is coming up in July 20th, in a couple weeks, actually. And the interesting part, part is Pop is now the coach of the USA team. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi is like one of the invitees for the USA team. So <laughs> Is he healthy see. enough to play yet? It, it, that and it, even if he is, I don't know if he's gonna show up. Like if Uncle Dennis will let him show up, considering Pop's the coach. So I would be really upset if this is like how Kawhi's career kind of 
goes downhill for a guy who had so much promise like he becomes known as this guy who's hard to work with uh, because yeah. not of himself but because of his family members um, I ultimately think that you know this is going to push into the season I think that the Spurs are stubborn enough where they're going to wait to get the best offer possible um, and they are convinced in their talent evaluation and their talent development that hey even if we lose Kawhi for nothing um, in the next offseason we're not going to just let him dictate like he's we're not going to be controlled by a player I feel like that's what their organization has always been mm-hmm. um, but I think ultimately towards the trade deadline do you think the Lakers are going to get desperate and start giving away some of their younger players in order to get Kawhi so I think it seems that the, so far the one thing I've seen with Rob like Kalinka and Magic is that they've had the patience to not give up the farms and ultimately it could have been a mistake right so last year we didn't do that for Paul George and he left so now there's that risk same thing with Kawhi even though he's telling us that he wants us to play I mean he wants to play for the Lakers if he does go to another team then there's always that risk that he doesn't come to you then but I think what the Lakers are banking on this time is that the 2019 free agency class is not only Kawhi there's these other guys that are in there potentially and maybe even if you don't get Kawhi, we get one of those guys. So I don't think the Lakers will give up the farm, but I, I, feel, I don't get how like the Spurs act like they have the leverage here because this guy could potentially just walk away for nothing in a year. So it's like they just got to take the best deal that they get. But I, So I don't see how they have the leverage, but they, they're acting like it. Well, I think it's partially like, you know, they're going to push towards the trade deadline. Kind of same, same thing with what happened with like the Nuggets and Melo. Yeah. And just keep pushing, and over the course of the season, you you know, Kawhi's either gonna have to play or at least be close to the arena. I mean, he can't he can't stay away forever. Yeah, right? I mean, so if he doesn't if he doesn't show up, like he's not getting he's gonna lose the salary basically. Exactly, but, and he doesn't want that because then his uncle doesn't get paid. But yeah, um, but at the same time, like I just can't imagine Kawhi coming back into that locker room after all the relationships that have been fractured now. And Kawhi coming back into that locker room, that, that I mean, that's something that, that it seems like it would just be so awkward. Like, after everything the Spurs players and organization has said about Kawhi and vice versa. Yeah. But, yeah, who knows? Well, how about how about we do an exercise here? Put on your Magic, uh, Magic Johnson cap, and tell me if, you know, this gets close to the trade deadline. Uh, what assets would you be willing to give up to get Kawhi and... Um, likely in the setting of him um, agreeing that he would sign a long-term contract with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the the deal that we would have to do is Ingram and Kuzma for Kawhi, basically. I mean, and, and picks. Uh, we're going to have to give up some picks, but the, according to what the latest report said, the Spurs wanted Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, two first-round picks, and two swaps. So basically, they're looking for what the Nets gave up to the Celtics in that KG-Pierce deal. And I think that deal kind of ruins all these other deals because now teams expect that. That deal and the Mellow deal in 2011, that trade yeah. deadline deal, that's become like what the gold standard for what teams are asking now. But it, you just can't give up that kind of like thing. It's too much of a risk. Like you get a player, one player, and if he gets injured or something, you basically gutted your whole team. But I, for a guy like Kawhi and if, to ensure that he's on your team and he'll sign, then... I think it's okay to give up Ingram, Kuzma, because I know the Spurs are going to ask for Ingram, not Lonzo. So that way you, I mean, yeah, you're giving up like two like really talented wing players, but you're probably getting a top three player in Kawhi, assuming he's healthy. And what about picks? You know, one one first round, one swab, what would you, because that ultimately yeah, so I feel like I think picks you can't, are 
Yeah, so you can't trade, like, consecutive first-round picks. So you, they would have to give up, like, this year's 2019 and then maybe a 2021 unless they, you know, get a first-round pick from some other team and acquire some salary or move stuff around that. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I think it'll take at least two first-round picks. And then would you try to put the dang, like, would you try to put the dang contract in that so that you get a little bit of cap relief? I would try, but there's no way the Spurs are taking Dang. Like, I mean, it's, it's two years, right? So he's expiring he's, soon. Right, so by the trade deadline, yeah, you, you pay him for a half a year, and then he's an expiring contract, so then he's a little bit more. That's why I think next year, in 2000, like next summer, he's definitely a movable contract because he's an $18 million expiring contract. And then so. if Kawhi doesn't get traded and or you know somehow the relationship is fixed then who are you looking forward to in 2019 with this like star-studded um free agency i mean we got guys like i'll just list a few of the guys that i know and you can fill in the other guys so clay's yeah. a free agent yeah uh, kd is going to be a free agent because he did that one in one right right exactly um, and i think Ky- kyrie before. is a free agent yeah um boogie is going to be a free agent because he just signed a one-year deal yep uh and then obviously Kawhi is a free agent, so those are the big five guys that I think about for next free agency, but I'm sure there's other guys as well. Yeah, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns will be a restricted agent, unless he signs the extension in this fall. We'll see if that what, what happens there. We know there's rumors of fractured relationship in Minnesota. Jimmy Butler doesn't like playing with Carl Anthony Towns, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I mean, ultimately, if we don't get Kawhi, I think you and me both, like, we would love to have Kevin Durant on our team, right? <laughs> But we'll see. I mean, it seems like the Warriors are going to three-peat this year. So the only reason I could see KD leaving is that he just wants a new challenge. Like, people are, even though he's winning titles, people are still giving him, you know, they're giving him flack for, you know, joining a super team. So maybe that could be the only motivation for KD to leave. But I don't see that. But then do you think he would leave to join a guy like LeBron? I mean, I don't think that would give him any Yeah, that's why I don't think he would... He would come to LA, so the. Well, what about getting a guy like Clay from the Warriors? I mean, that would be like a momentum swing, right? Because yeah, like, Clay, Clay would be amazing, but I feel like he's gonna sign an extension anytime now, or like at least this sometime this season he'll sign an extension, and they won't even let him get into free agency. So what about Boogie? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like three of the five starters for the Warriors are gonna be uh, free agents next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Boogie, it's such a wild card. I mean, I'm. I know some people are optimistic. I'm really not. I think that Achilles injury is just so devastating. If you look at the history, the only guys who have kind of recovered from it were Dominique Wilkins back in the day. And then like recently, Rudy Gay, like, but even Rudy Gay, like he's, he's, a, he's still a good player, but he's not like the same player he was before. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest recent example is Kobe, right? Like once you get that Achilles injury, even after you come back, you're just your body starts compensating in other areas for that torn Achilles or repaired Achilles. And then he tore his labrum in his shoulder and all these injuries started popping up. Yeah, and for Bookie, I mean, he, he... I heard he was offered two years 40 million or something or two years 20 million by the Pelicans and he turned it down. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of money he left on the table. And I kind of agree with you. Like, this is like a 300-pound dude who doesn't really have athletics in his DNA. So, like, maybe that'll help a little bit. A lot of the times we talk about these Achilles injury guys, it's, like, these super athletes like Dominique and Rudy Gay who, like, took a huge step back in their athleticism. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, you don't really think about him as athletic, but he's still running around 300 pounds. And that's a lot (laughs) of And a guy whose work ethic we've questioned, right, in the past. So we don't know how hard he's going in the rehab also. 
So could like, do you think that the spooky to the Warriors thing was like the worst thing for him? Because now he's almost like an afterthought. Like if he plays great, if he doesn't play, he's gonna sit on the bench, you know, collect his whatever five million dollars, and yeah. and then like get forgotten about. Because I don't know if there's too many other teams that actually put in an offer for him. I mean, he signed pretty quickly, but if yeah. the Pelicans had an offer in and and no one else offered him more than five million dollars. I think I think it was a big mistake to leave forty million on the table coming off a of torn Achilles. Um, he obviously thinks his worth is much more. So, I mean, I guess props for that self confidence. But leaving forty million dollars on the table is a lot. Yeah, the only thing I could I could kind of think about in terms of doing that is because with the Warriors, he has less pressure to rush back because the regular season is almost a wash for them. And so for him, he just has to target the playoffs. Like, had he gone to any other team like the Pelicans, they may have needed him in the regular season. Yeah. Um, and so he and kind of had was to take all the pressures off. Yeah, apparently he was also eating at him that he's never played in the playoffs. Like last year, he didn't get to play. So, but I mean, like the thing is, like you said, the fact that even if on the Warriors, I don't know how much opportunities he's gonna have to really showcase that you know he's still the same guy or he has some of that ability back. Unless it, you know towards the end of the regular season, Boogie's back, and you know how like the Warriors last year we saw they pretty much took the end of the regular season off. Yeah. Um, they started resting guys and stuff, and that might be Boogie's time to shine. Basically, they bring Boogie in, and they'd say, "All right, you do your thing. Like it's fine. Like we don't really care about one seed, two seed wins and losses at this point. So you can kind of showcase whatever you want. And then once you get to the playoffs, we're gonna go with our guys." So that's possible. I mean, I think, I think that obviously it was a mistake for Boogie, but I can also see from his perspective to like. If this is the end of his career, because he'll never be the same, kind of his way of ring chasing towards his end end of his career in the way that he had envisioned his career to be, which is like this long term, this long career with a lot of playoff appearances. I mean, this might be the last time we see Boogie in the playoffs, and so I think a lot of people have been going crazy about, oh, Boogie was acquired by the Warriors. The Warriors keep getting stronger. I don't necessarily think he's going to make that big of a difference, at least for this one year. But what I am worried about is if he does come back to any resemblance of, you know, good health and whatnot, is the same thing that happened to Paul George, which is he goes to this culture that he falls in love with. Maybe he has like all these on-court and off-court antics kind of go away. He's willing to take less money and be less selfish because he's just in an environment. Because he's never been in an environment until this year in New Orleans where like it was conducive to him being a good person. I mean, like the Kings are just chaos, and he was chaos because he was. In the environment of chaos, and like now he's going to the perfect harmony of the Warriors, where you never hear anything bad. Like everything is always like rainbows and butterflies. Right. So I mean, I I hope it works out for him. And the other thing is like all those people complaining. This is a one-year thing. There's if Boogie plays well, there's pretty much no way the Warriors can bring him back because they signed him at such a low amount for the 5.3 million dollars. And I think uh, they don't have his bird right. So if they wanted to bring it back, then you can't go up on the salary more than like 75% or something. So you can't, there's no way that the Warriors can bring it back. This is clearly just a one-year thing. Right. Um, But really quickly, so what are your thoughts on some of these other deals? The Chris Paul four-year max deal, $160 million, a 33 or 34-year-old point guard coming off that hamstring injury in the playoff. What do you think about that deal? Well, so first off, I think it's an awful deal, but I also think it's a deal that was done a year ago and not necessarily right now. I think it's an awful deal for two reasons. One is, I mean, Chris Paul has been riddled with injury his whole career. And like, unless the 
Rockets are going to take him off the court during the regular season for an extended period of time so they can preserve him for the playoffs or maybe even sit him the first round in the playoffs. I can't imagine him staying healthy throughout the whole playoffs. And the second thing is who wants to pay, you know, a 37, 38 year old Chris Paul $40 million, right? It's 40 or $42 million in his yeah, last year. Yeah, that end of the deal, I mean, <laughs> the last year of that deal is looking terrible. It's like 43 or $44 million. Which is him. like, which is crazy, but it also goes to show me that the chapter of this James Harden, potentially Daryl Morey's current um, iteration of the Rockets is coming to an end. And if they don't, if they're not able to beat the Warriors in this in this next year or two, then they may they may be looking to move some of their players, or they may just be content with being like the middle of the packed teams until these contracts expire. Yeah, I mean. I think, it was, like you said, this deal was pretty much kind of one of those wink-wink deals when they traded for him because he was not going to opt into his contract and then not get paid the following year. Right. I think the compromise they sort of came down to was the five-year, two, the real max-max was the five-year $200 million deal. And so they didn't do that. They did four years, so one less year. But still, four years is... I think the Rockets probably would have liked to do three, and CP3 wanted five, so they came to the compromise for four. Still yeah. not a great great contract because now they're pretty much locked in. Yeah. Until the Ryan Anderson contract comes off their books, they they, they have no flexibility at all. And the worst thing is like I, I feel like Chris Paul wants to win, but this this is not the way you win. I mean, you want to leave some money on the table so that you can get some role players or keep guys like Trevor Reza. I mean, we saw with KD. I know it's not a lot of money, but he left money on the table so they can make sure they keep Iggy and they keep Livingston. Exactly. And if CP3 wanted to keep that team together, I think Ariza may have been a little bit out of the payroll regardless. Like, CP3 would have had to take a huge pay cut, and I don't think he was going to do that, particularly because this is his last contract. Um, yeah, and now they have to pay Capella. And now they have to pay Capella. I mean, do they have to pay Capella? <laughs> it seems like what the problem is he's not getting an offer sheet from any other team. and But they'll if he does, they'll match whatever he gets. And... <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about that, but that in just a little bit. Like, there's just no money on these on the table for these uh, restricted free agents. Yeah, it's because guys like Alan Crabb have all the money from three <laughs> two years ago, and like you know the spike, the cap, salary cap spike happened, and all the guys that like weren't just happened to not have their contracts up at that time are really suffering now because of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's a problem when guys like Mozgov. 16 million, Dang 18 million, Evan Turner 18 million. Like, and I think the worst is Bismarck Biombo is getting paid 18 million dollars. So, that I think the big all these teams is the theme of this offseason is like, what were we thinking in the summer of 2016 where the cap space, uh, salary cap expanded and all these teams were just reckless with their spending? And now you see the opposite. Now teams are so conservative with their spending that they wouldn't even offer Boogie, you know, a one year, $10 million deal or whatever it would have taken to kind of pry them away and so i think yeah. people are so reluctant to spend any of their salary cap <laughs> for 2019 because they're like yeah. look we got to preserve everything so now we can get one of the top guys and not overpay some of these middle of the pack guys yeah well no it's funny that you mentioned that like all these teams reluctant to spend then we have the oklahoma city thunder <laughs> who do a complete opposite and they're gonna have a 300 million dollar uh bill this year basically unprecedented no team has ever hit 300 million dollars between their salary uh their salaries and then the tax bill because uh, they're a repeater I, they're a repeater on the sale luxury tax now yeah but i guess it makes sense i mean i heard that they opened up a new mint in oklahoma city so they could just print money because i guess 
for a franchise that used to be so cheap that over what is it $8 million or $6 million they wouldn't keep James Harden four uh, not even four, eight or six. Four, oh my four. god $4 million they wouldn't keep James Harden now they're just I mean then again it, the, the the ultimate culprit of all of this is uh, a guy that whose jersey I'm actually wearing right now Carmelo Anthony who <laughs> just, hap- just happens to fuck franchises no matter what he does <laughs> yeah I mean you know what the crazy thing is like the Thunder were purchased for 350 million dollars and their the, their owners paying 300 just for this team for a team that got lost lost in the first round to the Utah Jazz they're basically bringing the same core back, but the funny, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's no way they're gonna keep Melo. Like they, they're gonna have to like buy him out and stretch it because I, I read that once they do that, that saves them a hundred million dollars just doing that to Melo's contract, um, because of the way the luxury tax is set up and the repeater uh, tax that they're paying. And that's so, why I actually wouldn't be surprised if Melo ends up with LA later on in this off season. To, to play with his friend Braun. <laughs> yeah, like they, they wanted to be together or, or Melo ends up with like... Because the thing about Melo was he never wanted to leave money on the table, really. I mean, he left a couple million dollars when he with his contract with New York, but he never really wanted to leave money on the table. And so now he'll get paid his stretched out contract when he gets waived or when he gets bought out. And yeah, then he can I'm, go play with one of his homeboys and like kind of just, just have fun. Yeah, I mean, if he were on the Lakers, like... At this point, they can only give him the minimum, but he, obviously he'll be getting the the real salary from the Thunder still. Um, and Lala yeah, and being in LA, I feel like that's something he would want to be at. Like I think he he probably doesn't want to be in OKC like long term, unlike Paul George. Yeah, I mean, and Lakers that's something that we could use. I mean, the problem is Melo doesn't want to come off the bench, but maybe if it's for LeBron, he would come off the bench if LeBron tells him. I don't know. <laughs> Or they just do something like Mellow Stars, but plays like two minutes and gets pulled right in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the you're, so we're talking about like all these restricted free agents. It's funny, right? So like now guys like uh, Clint Capella, where it, it's kind of, I feel like, I oh, so now when he goes back to the, the Rockets team, right? Eventually he's going to go back. I wonder if it's going to be a chemistry issue now that the Rockets didn't even offer him the contract, right? Usually, if you want to keep your restricted free agent, the easiest thing to do is give them the max or give them whatever contract they want. Whereas the Rockets are playing this hard game, and I understand because they they already are capped out where they're saying, you go find a, a team that will give you a salary or, or give you a contract and we'll match it. Yeah. And the problem is they're doing that knowing that no team has any uh, money left. So they know that Capella has to eventually take whatever the Rockets give him. Right. I mean, I feel like historically teams would go out and try to screw other teams over by giving contracts like i remember jeremy lynn's poison pill contract and landry fields poison pill contract it seems like there's a little bit less of that happening nowadays where teams know that teams know that their own team wants to keep that player so like teams know that rockets want to keep capella why not just go out and offer some sort of absurd contract like it would be unprecedented for the Rockets to let Capella walk at this point but why not just hamstring them for the next f- five years and you know either they're going to win this te- with this team or they're going to be screwed because they're going to be paying so much money if they just offer Capella the max contract you know anyone anyone that has the money in New York let's say just offers him that money um, even though our roster is full at this point but yeah, still. I think so there's literally no one with salary cap space left now besides Atlanta Orlando and one other team. I think it was Philadelphia, but now I think even they're done because they recently acquired Wilson JJ. Chandler. Yeah, they signed JJ Reddick, acquired Wilson Chandler's salary in the trade with Denver. 
they brought back Amir Johnson. So I think it's literally Atlanta and Orlando with salary cap space now. That's it. It's crazy. And Sacramento. And Sacramento. Yeah, but it's, it's Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, I feel bad for guys like Marcus Smart. I mean, these guys were like, he's a big, he's a big contributor to what Boston was and Boston's grit. And I ultimately think he'll end up going back to Boston for a lot less money than he's worth because he's just not going to yeah. find money out there. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, if this was two years ago, he'd be getting like 14, 15 million dollars per year. And now he probably won't get a contract over 10 million. I mean, he's probably going to get like eight, seven, eight, nine million dollars per year, if that. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's another guy. I mean, I just saw that the Celtics haven't even contacted him. Like, they haven't even offered anything. They basically gave him the qualifying offer, like $5 million, to make sure that usually you give the qualifying offer so that they become a restricted free agent. So they can't walk. But they haven't done any negotiations after, so he's feeling hurt. But it seems like the move to do this year is sign a one-year deal so that you can hit free agency in 2019. Um, 53 deals signed this uh, offseason, 29 of them were one-year deals. So, But is that the smart thing to do? I mean, we were just talking about all these big guys. And I know teams will have a little bit more cap space next year, uh, a lot more cap space next year. But yeah. unless teams start getting reckless when they start swing, uh, like striking out on some of these big guys, uh, maybe they won't spend that money. Maybe, especially if guys like KD keep doing one-and-ones, like maybe they'll just be like, oh, we'll try for KD next year. Oh, we'll try for Kawhi next year. Oh, we'll try for Kyrie next year. And just like, not offer these guys contracts because yeah and i think the problem is once you take less then you kind of set the precedent that that becomes your value right so then teams will be reluctant to go further much higher on that value unless you have like a super break i think it's just a bunch of guys betting on themselves and saying we're gonna have their breakout year finally so we'll see if that happens man the nba 12 12 months for there's like no no rest for the wary no yeah as soon as you think like things are kind of calmed down and now summer league is starting and you see guys like Trey Young putting up like 15 air balls in one game. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that. I think it's become the only sport that we follow 12 months in a year. No other sports like it. Yeah. And it's all because of the player mobility, like the fact that there's always players moving around, so we're always on it. Yeah, and like, uh, what's his name? Um, Sharon Jackson, man, that guy already looks like the real deal. Oh yeah, his first summer league game makes eight threes. It's like, eight wow, this six, six eleven guy. And I, I mean, he was the guy who people were saying that he could be the best player in this draft. But uh, wow. But but I mean, like, he, people were saying he could be the best player in this draft, but might take a couple of years because he's the most raw out of all of them in the top five. Yeah, I, I mean, think this guy only, looks ready. He's only, he's only nineteen. I think he's the youngest player in the draft. And he's already so, seems like he's ready. I mean. People yeah. were saying his best quality was defense, and yeah, sorry, he's only he's great. only eighteen. He's not he's turning nineteen in September. He's only eighteen. <laughs> Man, this is is this is this what Mem- he's on Memphis, right? So this Memphis, is what Memphis yeah. Memphis needed. Like now they can finally transition out of the Marcus Sol era and go into the Jaron Jackson era. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see. They're still stuck with the Conley and Parsons contract. So <laughs> oh, that Parsons what? contract is Parsons. almost done, though. Two years, yeah. right? Uh, in two years, yeah, but he's yeah. another travesty of the 2016 offseason Chandler oh. Parsons. <laughs> he got like $90 million or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, four years, oh. 94. <laughs> God damn. He's got, like, it feels so bad for the guys right now who are like out there trying to get contracts. I mean, guys, there's a couple of guys who are coming back from like major injuries who have played well but are going to get really shitty contracts like Jabari and Zach Levine. I mean, this is... the 
they're not they're restricted so they're not going to get any good contract out there there's no incentive for the bulls and the bucks to go out and offer them any money yeah i think they're going to take their one year deals short term deals and try to get to free agency again as soon as possible it's insane but yeah all right man it'll be exciting to see what else happens this uh, off season yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our boys. Um, they know who they are. Uh, congrats on getting engaged. Oh yeah, yeah. Looking, f- looking forward to the bachelor party. <laughs> yep. All right, dude. Till next time. All right. See you, man. Later.